Many years ago, I almost died in a foreign country from a low blood sugar. As a type 1 diabetic, this is a reality that I live with on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, thankfully, things are more well-controlled now, but that event still sits with me and does give me this general feeling of uneasiness, knowing that my blood sugars could technically kill me. Uh, now, if you're like me, there's a certain level of anxiety that might surround the whole uh, living with type 1 diabetes piece, but it doesn't have to slow us down. And for me, for a long time, it actually did change the way that I thought about life. Um, to get really real with you, I had never experienced anxiety before type 1 diabetes, even before that event. And then from that event on, for a number of years, I experienced daily panic attacks, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. It got really dark really fast. And in today's episode, I want to talk a bit about anxiety, open up about my own personal experiences, but also give you the three different lessons that I've learned over the years that have helped me to reduce my anxiety surrounding blood sugars by 95% and given me a sense of peace of mind again, something that I didn't know if I'd ever experience again. Now, if you don't know who I am, my name is Matt Vandevite. I'm a certified master fitness trainer and nutritionist living with type 1 diabetes, but none of that really matters for this episode because today we're talking about mental health and how to continue building strength and resilience with your mind. So let's get into our episode. I've spent the last 10 years pushing the limits while identifying trends and patterns in my type 1 diabetes management. Follow along as I learn, apply, and share the fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle strategies that I've learned from diabetes experts around the world. The real question is, how can we live fearlessly with diabetes while maintaining stable blood sugars? This podcast is here to give you the answer. My name is Matt Vandevecht, head coach and co-founder of FTF Warrior, and welcome to Part of My Pancreas. Now, before we get into the tactics of today's episode, I am not a therapist. I know nothing about that world other than my own personal experience and what I've researched. So I want you to know this is medical advice. Seek your own therapist if you need one. Maybe you need meds. I don't know you. That's why this is a, a podcast episode. But I want to share with you what worked for me. And actually recently, if you're following along the chronological order of these podcast episodes, I had a, a hypo, not hypoglycemia. I've had a few hypoglycemias over the years. <laughs> That's what I was talking about with my uh, Paris experience. I almost died from a low blood sugar, I experienced hypothermia about a week ago. And that was something that shocked me, both mentally but also physically. I actually went into shock and it was kind of a scary experience. But coming out of that experience, I had two choices in my head. I could shrink down and lean into the fear and let it define my further actions by not doing that kind of stuff again. Uh, and that kind of stuff being, I'm training for a half Ironman right now, and you have to be able to swim about a mile and a half in open water. And that's what I did. And I have to keep doing that if I want to complete that race. <laughs> uh, but number two is that instead of leaning into the fear and shrinking, I could face my fear and overcome it. Right, And in this unique experience, uh, there's less fear for me surrounding water. It's still there. And I'll be completely honest with you. I grew up in San Diego as a surfer. So like, 
I'm fine with open water, but for some reason, putting goggles on and looking into the water and seeing all the shadows and things moving beneath me really just freaks me out. <laughs> and so there's, there's fear both of the hypothermia, but also of what's in the water with me, right? Uh, for some reason, it's more comforting when you're sitting on top of the water on a surfboard. But all that to say, I had two choices. I chose to face my fears because I knew from previous experience, if I let fear take a foothold, it will plant itself firmly in my life. And it is so much more difficult to overcome a fear that is planted and rooted in your mind than a fear that is fresh and new, right? So with this new fear of hypothermia, I'm like, okay, either this is gonna set into my mind and become a thing from now on, or you just do what you gotta do and get it done. Just reintroduce yourself to the same environment. So I did this smartly, of course. I went and bought a new wetsuit. The reason I got hypothermia is that my, my previous wetsuit that I was using was like 20 years old and it's just riddled with holes. So it, it kind of just acts like a swimsuit, right? It wasn't that warm. Uh, and then my wife actually gave me a really thick swim cap to keep my head warm and went back out same time same place i repeated the environment uh, that had caused the fear initially and overcame it and good news too didn't get hypothermia this time <laughs> so the new wetsuit worked so there's two sides to this quick first example is one facing your fears helps to uh, remove the fear right it's not going to completely remove it from your life. But in my examples, my experiences, I've noticed that the quicker I face my fears, the less power they have over me. And with blood sugars and diabetes, if I experience, let's say, a spike blood sugar after I go out for Italian food, if I think, okay, I can't have Italian food because I'm scared of the spike, that becomes almost like a rule in my head. Like, oh, can't have Italian food because I'll spike. Instead, it was just a one-time experience that I chose to perceive as a rule, right? With diabetes, uh, or I always go low when I exercise. Oh, I don't know if I wanna exercise anymore. The, the more power I give that fear, the longer and harder it takes root, the more difficult it is for me to face it in the future. So my goal now is to use fear as my guide. If I'm scared or if I'm nervous, I use that as uh, kind of the direction that I should go. In training for this half Ironman, I told you I have to swim 1.2 miles, I have to be able to bike 56.6 miles, and I have to run a half marathon, 13.1 miles, I think. Uh, so for biking, I've been nervous, completely transparent, I wanna be with you, I've been nervous about going for bike rides because to get that level of distance, 50 miles, 60 miles, we have to go out into the mountains right? I, I, I've, I've run out of neighborhood streets to go on when you're trying to do 50 and 60 miles. So I can't stay in the safety of my home area or even of a city, right? To where if I have to go and buy some low snacks, I can just hop into a convenience store. Can't do that in the mountains. And I realized I was holding back because I was nervous about going low in the middle of nowhere with no cell service and not having the option to go buy more low snacks, right? And of course I'm playing these worst case scenarios. Our brain is wired to protect us, to keep us alive. And that's what fear is. So fear is actually a good thing, right? It's our brain trying to keep us from putting ourselves into dangerous situations that are irreversible. So I get that and I respect that. And it's a, this balance we have to find between respecting the fear, but also facing it and making sure it's not growing disproportionately. 
Now, what I've looked at in this fear as my guide kind of a thing, uh, it's enabled me to face fears before they get too big, but also to overcome challenges and show myself how strong I actually am. I've never considered anything more than a mile or two for bike rides. A couple weeks ago, I did 60 miles. We went through 12 different cities. It was amazing. It was electric <laughs> to come out on the other side of that and go, wow, I am capable of so much more than I thought I was. But before that ride, before I knew I was capable, you better believe I was nervous. And a lot of you are like, what? Matt's nervous, but he has the whole formulas thing down. It's true, but it's still nerve wracking to think about worst case scenarios. And my brain, just like a lot of yours probably, loves to go to worst case scenario and get anxious about things, right? Well, what if you go low and you don't have self-service and nobody can reach you in time because you're an hour out into the mountains and you know, what if you get dropped and there's no one with you and ah! It can get nerve wracking when you consider the consequences of living with diabetes and doing things that aren't considered uh, routine, <laughs> you know, eating the same foods all the time. But I also have this sneaking fear on the other side of the equation. And this is wrapping up our first lesson. We'll get into the next two in a sec. Uh, this sneaking fear, and this is going to sound backwards. It, it might even sound uh, a little bit ridiculous to some of you. It, it's probably not going to resonate with most people, honestly, but I'm going to say it anyways. This is a peek into my own soul. I have a fear that the cure for diabetes is actually five years away. Like they keep telling us. I mean, they've been telling us that for 50 years, right? So <laughs> we'll see. But I fear that the cure is around the corner and that I am passing up the opportunity to prove to myself and to others, but to myself, how strong I truly am. And what I mean by that is right now I have a disability. Life is more difficult for me in completing these triathlons and, and eventually, pretty soon, this half Ironman that's a, a feat in and of itself. Most people look at that and go, wow, you completed 70.3 miles. That's amazing. But then you tack on with type 1 diabetes. Whoa, that's incredible, right? And then you tack on with 100% time and range. That's what I'm shooting for. We'll see. Uh, but then it's like, holy cow, that's unbelievable, right? But if type 1 diabetes gets cured... Well, now I'm just normal Joe Schmo. Oh, yeah, you completed the race. Cool. So did thousands of other people, right? But right now, it's special. I have extra difficulty. I have extra obstacles to overcome. And in a sense, we get extra kudos for that. But in our heads, in our brains, we also get extra rewards, right? I uh, think about dopamine and serotonin and balancing these things out. The harder a task is, the more reward we get mentally, so I would hate to get to a place where I, I shrunk away from things that scared me, that made me fearful or anxious, and I never did them. And then I get cured of type 1 diabetes, and I've lost the ability to prove to myself how strong I truly am. So instead now, I look at things that I'm fearful of and think, this is my chance. This is my time. I must face this fear and overcome it. Right? Because there may be a day where I'm cured and I want to look back at my experience with type 1 diabetes and say, you know what? It did not slow me down. I overcame. I was unstoppable. That's what I want. Similarly to how people look back on their life, on their deathbed. And they're like, man, I wish I would have done XYZ thing. I wish I wasn't scared. Right? Regret sounds terrible. 
And if I ever get to a place where I'm cured of diabetes, which I do hope that day comes, I want to look back on my life with diabetes and think, I did it. I overcame. So that's lesson number one, the fear aspect, leaning into fear as your guide. Be safe, of course, but letting fear rule your life. I've lived that life before, letting fear tell me what I'm doing, and it's depressing to look back on. Uh, It's truly saddening for me to think about all the different things that I've missed out on in my life already because of fear. And looking back, there was nothing to be afraid of. It was just my mind blowing things out of proportion, making me worried that something was risky when the reality is everything is risky. But if we can face our fears, we get a much more rich experience in life. Which leads me into lesson number two. So uh, I actually just got off a call like an hour ago with a new client that I I enrolled and I I decided it was a good fit for us to work together. And this person, perfect fit, super stoked to work together with this person to fix their blood sugars and and get their formula set up. We actually help people set up what's called the 80-20 blood sugar formula. It's a predictive formula to know uh, you know how to stabilize blood sugars through different meals and activities. It's what I used on that 60 mile bike ride, right? Uh, 40 miles, 50 miles, and I'm staying 100% time and range for all these things. Going out to eat Italian food, right? That's how I live my life now, and it ultimately has given me back peace of mind and quality of life. But the reason I wanted to work with this client and uh, we both chose to move forward together is that they had experienced something similar with the anxiety piece that I mentioned. And ultimately, when looking at anxiety for me, and I shared this with my new client, uh, I said, let me know if this resonates with you. For me, I became more anxious when I was filled with uncertainty. When I realized I didn't know if I was going to go into a low blood sugar after exercise. I didn't know if I was going to spike after a meal. And so much of the strategies were based on hope, right? Where I was like, I hope things stay stable. I hope I don't get complications. I hope I don't have another low that almost kills me, right? And realizing that a lot of my fear and anxiety with blood sugar specifically was rooted in uncertainty, I set out on a path for, it ended up being two years. I did not know it was going to take that long of daily experimentation, observation, research, documentation, and obsessing over blood sugars. But it took me two years to learn the ins and outs of what makes blood sugars go up and down and studying hormones and uh, the digestive system and activity, becoming a master fitness trainer and nutritionist along the way, right? And it was during that journey that I started to feel more certain, more confident in my own blood sugar management that I realized if things make sense logically, then there's no room for fear to creep in as an emotion or anxiety, right? Uh, There was very little stress involved if I could predict where my blood sugars would go, which is ultimately what led into me developing the 80-20 blood sugar formula as a predictive model, right? Where I was like, I need to know where blood sugars are going to be so that I can know if I have to take action or not, right? I can control them in the now. Take more insulin or eat more sugar, right? It's a balancing game. It's, It's quite simple at its core. Of course, there are complexities that we don't even have to get into on this episode. Uh, But I realized that if I could remove the mystery behind blood sugar fluctuations, if I knew where they were going to go, I could take action to prevent them from doing things I didn't want them to do. And I could take action with things to keep them stable, 
So ultimately, that's that's how I maintain above a 90% time and range. And I, I have maintained that for almost five years now. And in fact, in a couple of weeks, it will have been five years straight maintaining above a 90% time and range. That's incredible. And that's because of the formulas, right? So lesson number two, and I shared this with this client, uh, this person also mentioned that that resonates. And yes, the anxiety, the fear, it comes from uncertainty at its core, right? That is the cause. And if we could remove the uncertainty through a deeper understanding of how blood sugars move, why they go up and down, and of course, how to predict where they're going to go. So we know how far is it going to drop? Do I need to have sugar or can I let it ride, right? Do I need to give it an aggressive correction for this rise or is it going to level out? And am I going to be okay? So introducing more certainty, and a deeper understanding of blood sugars, getting the right information, that is what helped me to get my peace of mind back. And actually talking about mind, here's a, a new shirt we got printed out for our Warriors tribe. It says Renegade Warrior. Think differently. Because we have to think differently if we expect different outcomes. Right? The, the generic outcome for we'll call it diabetics is... You should maintain an A1C of seven or less and time and range at 70% or greater. And that's like standard of care, right? Oh, just, just get there and you'll be fine. Which maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but I'm not okay with just being fine, right? With just good enough. That's not how I operate. I want the best for myself, but also for others. I know that the more anxious and more fearful I was, the more I said no, to my wife wanting to go out for a date night, to my family inviting me out for dinner. I even said no to a free trip to Europe because I was scared. I told you, looking back on these things, I'm like, ah, there's so much in life that I missed out on because of fear, which is because I was uncertain. So had I been certain and confident in my blood sugar management, I would have been able to enjoy so much more of life and everyone else connected to me would have been able to enjoy me and making memories with me as well. And I thank God that I've got this thing more figured out now. I'm not going to say it's perfect, right? Nobody's got it down perfect. But I thank God that the timing of this matched up with when I became a parent because I get to give myself uh, fully to my daughter now, to her attention, to making sure she has memories and making sure that diabetes isn't getting in the way of the stuff that matters, right? So lesson number two that I pulled apart from my experiences with diabetes and anxiety, depression, I did say suicidal thoughts. I was serious about that. I got into some pretty dark places with diabetes. Uh, for me, it was largely rooted in uncertainty, the fear aspect. So the more I understood about blood sugars, the more uh, confidence I could have baked into my decisions, the better I felt. Peace of mind, more quality of life I experienced. And of course, that was all as a, a result of using these blood sugar formulas. In fact, I want you to comment below if you're on YouTube with me, if any of this has resonated so far, I gotta know how many other people out there have felt any inkling of anxiety depression, fear, uh, especially if it relates to uncertainty. And if it does, I got something at the end of this for you that I think you'll find helpful. But I know a lot of people I talked to have felt the same way, especially the person that I'm working with now as of this morning, where the uncertainty leads into anxiety. If we really were to evaluate it and pick it apart, why am I nervous? 
I'm nervous because I don't know if I'm going to go low or not, right? If I knew the lowest I was going to drop is 85 and it was not going to go lower, I wouldn't be worried, right? But the issue is that I don't know if it's going to stop at 85 or go all the way down to 35. And so I'm worried, do I eat sugar? How much sugar do I eat? So if any of that resonates with you, drop a comment. Tell me a piece of your story, maybe, if you're comfortable with it. I'd love to hear more about it. Uh, but the last piece in this, this three-lesson series that I've learned through my experience with mental health and, and diabetes and anxiety even, is fear. How to face it, of course, as I mentioned with the, the hypothermia incident, but this notion that we should live fearlessly. And there is some truth to that, but I don't think it's the truth that a lot of people hear when they hear that phrase. To live fearlessly with diabetes is not to live in the absence of fear, but to face the fear and do it anyways. Right? So going back into the water for me, I had hypothermia and then five days later, five days, I have a new wetsuit and I'm going straight back in. Right? I did not give it time to settle into my mind, to become a new fear. Instead, I faced my fear Right? And to be fearless is to have fear, but to choose to do it anyways. There is not going to be an absence of fear. And if there is, you should probably see a mental health specialist because you're supposed to have fear. Right? As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, fear is a good thing. It's your brain trying to keep you alive. So if you're afraid of lows, it's because you know that lows pose a threat. That all rhymed. That was kind of fun. Uh, you know that high blood sugars could lead to complications down the road. That's why there's fear or frustration behind them. The emotions that we feel is our brain trying to get us to do something about it. Oftentimes, emotions are behind our actions. So why do we do things? Because we felt like it, right? At its core, at simplicity it is the easiest way to understand things. Why do I do things? Because I feel like it. Why do you... Uh, say no to going on a bike ride with your family right after a meal because you're nervous that the insulin on board would cause you to plummet into a dangerously low blood sugar. So instead, either you take action, eat a bunch of sugar and go high to avoid the low because you're less scared of the high, or you say no because I don't want to go low, right? And so it's the fear that drives our decisions, our habits, our routines, our subconscious. <clears throat> so if we're able to understand that fear is normal, and it's, it's supposed to be there, but also to recognize that most often our brain uses fear to blow things out of proportion, to make the risk seem like it's far outweighing the reward, when the reality is the reward is probably greater than the risk, but the risk that is there has a certain level of uncertainty baked into it. So we choose to be safe, right? To fall into our safety nets. So instead, what I would encourage you to think about and just shift your perspective to think differently like us renegade warriors, right, is to see fear as your guide, but also to recognize that fear will be there. It will remain. When I hopped into the water to go back out for that swim, I was nervous. Will my blood sugars go low? Will I have hypothermia again? Will I get run over by a boat? Are there sharks in this water? <laughs> you know, like the fear is there. But with every stroke that I took through the water, I'm pushing the fear further down. I am removing its power. And every time you do that, you remind yourself that you are stronger, that you will overcome. 
So those are the three lessons that I've learned that I wanted to share with you. My conversation with my new client this morning reminded me of some of those and, and how powerful those can be, but also how destructive they can be if ignored or leaned into. So don't lean into fear. Face it. Remove its power. So you can live your best life. And I told you I'd give you guys access to some tools at the end of this if this is something that you're struggling with or that you recognize, like all of us, myself included, that we all could work on. And it's a constant battle. Like I said, fear does not go away. I still experience fear. I still have anxiety about exercise and blood sugars. I still have anxiety about going out to restaurants and eating. It's a lot smaller now. It's not as big of a deal, but it is there and I have to overcome it every single time, right? But taking it from a large part of the decision to now it's that little 5% little voice in my head. Oh man, Matt, I wonder if you're going to go low in the mountains by yourself. Squish, right? I got to squish it before that grows and actually impacts my decision and forces me to stay back and not actually go out on those bike rides or those swims, to not go out with family and friends to eat dinners that I love and want to spend time with them. You must face your fears or they will grow and take root. And I've been there too. If your fear takes root, it becomes incredibly difficult to remove it from the grasp it has on your mind. For me, it stole years of my life, of memories that I will never have. And I want you to be able to grow to avoid that situation. So uh, every month we actually send out a physical newsletter. It's got mindset pieces in it just like this at the end of every newsletter, but we also do Q&A sections. I talk about the strategies and how to understand blood sugars on a deeper basis. Last month we did a deep dive into insulin resistance and how to reduce it. This month is insulin sensitivity and how to live healthier with more stable blood sugars while enjoying more of life. If that sounds like something that you'd like to dive into, I actually covered your first issue. It's completely free. You can go grab a copy at renegadenewsletter.com. That's why this is called my shirt. It says Renegade Warrior. Think differently because we pride ourselves on thinking differently. We want better outcomes than what the current medical system is, is fine with us achieving. I want to thrive with diabetes, not just survive. And if you're on that same path, if you're a renegade warrior like us, go to renegadenewsletter.com, grab your free copy, find your tribe, find the people that are just like you who want the best out of life and refuse to be pushed down by fear, by restriction, by diabetes. All right, so go check it out, renegadenewsletter.com. It's my gift to you. I want you to enjoy that. Uh, and if it's something that you think is awesome, you can stick around. We'd love to have you. If not, no harm, no foul. It's completely free. It's on me. So there's zero risk involved. Just go grab your free copy, renegadenewsletter.com. And I promise you'll get at least one big takeaway, one big golden nugget per issue. It's our goal to cram as much value and entertainment into every single issue that goes out. I hope this one was helpful for you. Uh, if you think this is a message that needs to get out there and you're the kind of person that wants to help others, hit the share button, send it to somebody that you love, that you care about, that you think would benefit from this, post it in a different group that you think might use it and, and be able to pull something, some golden nuggets from it as well. I appreciate you being here. 
I hope that you too can learn to live fearlessly, not in the absence of fear, but in facing your fear and using it as a guide while you learn to thrive with your diabetes. We'll see you there and keep up the fight.